Today on The Girl Defined Show, I'm talking with Ginger Duggar Volo. You may recognize her name as being one of the Duggar kids from TLC's hit reality TV show, 19 Kids and Counting and Counting On. If you've seen the show like me and so many other people, then you probably noticed some of the unique ways that the Duggar girls dressed, skirts and dresses only, no pants, and the way that they pursued romantic relationships, courting only with chaperones at all times, things like that. But now, as a married woman herself and mom, Ginger is choosing a different path than the one that her family followed. And she tells this story in her new book, Becoming Free Indeed, my story of disentangling faith from fear. In this book, Ginger gets raw and honest about the reasons behind her family's ultra-conservative lifestyle and how many of their beliefs were rooted in the legalistic teachings of Bill Gothard. In our conversation, she shares how Gothard's seven basic life principles promise freedom and success to anyone who followed them. But for Ginger growing up, these principles and these rules trapped her in fear and even religious superstition. In today's conversation, I asked Ginger what her journey has looked like to lead her away from Bill Gothard's teachings and away from the theology of her childhood. She shares her testimony of finding true freedom in her relationship with Jesus by disentangling the lies from truth. We also talk about how her family is responding to her new book. I ask her questions about her older brother, Josh, how she today parents differently as a mom, and the truth and grace of the gospel that she hopes every follower of any legalistic style teaching will come to know. Hey, sisterhood, it's Kristen here, and I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of The Girl Defined Show because we get to do something extra special. We get to talk to someone who many of us watched on reality TV for years. I remember watching 19 Kids Accounting, watching Counting On, and I was just so fascinated by the Duggar family, the way they did things, and their lifestyle, just the fact that there were so many of them and how just everyday life is like a show in and of itself, right? That's why they had a show. <laughs> yes, it's so interesting. Um, so, But before I bring Ginger on and we have that conversation, conversation specifically about her new book. I just want to give some background because as I've talked to people about this book, about the things that Ginger is sharing, a lot of people have no idea who Bill Gothard is. And a huge portion In fact, so much of Ginger's book is about her disentangling a lot of her beliefs that came from this man's teachings from her childhood. And so, you know, I just kind of assumed like, yeah, most people have heard about him. I mean, he was a pretty big deal a while back, but I've learned like, no, not everybody really knows who he is. And in fact, Ginger, the dedication to her book, here's what it says. To those who have been hurt by the teachings of Bill Gothard or any religious leader who claimed to speak for God but didn't. And so her entire dedication is for people who grew up hurt by Bill Gothard's teachings or really any religious leader who claimed to speak for God. So if you're like, yeah, you know, I've heard her mention that, but I don't really know who this man is. I didn't spend a lot of time in my conversation with her digging into Bill Gothard and just like who he is, um, his background, because that didn't seem as valuable to do that with her, but she references him a lot. And so I want to give you just a little bit of a background into who this man was so you can have more context when we dive into our conversation. So Bill Gothard was born on November 2nd, 1934. He came onto the scene really like publicly when he really became well-known was in the 1960s and 70s when sex, drugs, and rock and roll were a big concern for parents, right? That era, all the kids were going crazy, and Christian parents were like, we need a plan, we need a system, we need a method for training up our kids in the way they should go. So parents were concerned, and rightly so. Things were kind of crazy, right, culturally. So um, when Bill Gothard came onto the scene, he wasn't coming onto the scene like some religious kook where he's got, you know, he just came across really weird or like he's got these weird methods. He was a a very educated, well-spoken man. Um, he has He earned his BA in biblical studies from Wheaton College and then his MA in Christian education, followed by a PhD in biblical studies from Louisiana Baptist University. So he wasn't just this guy who was uneducated, who didn't really understand the Bible, but claimed to speak for God and have all these words. He was educated. He was very well studied. Um, He had studied the Bible for a long time. And so what he said sounded very good. The way he would interpret scripture and verses and apply application sounded really accurate. And he was very articulate. Um, and ultimately came out with a lot of curriculum that just sounded and looked very appealing because it was offering a better way. It was saying, hey, parents, there's a better way. 
your kids, you know, they don't have to go off the deep end. They don't have to get into drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Jesus has a better option for them. And here's, you know, a plan, a plan for success that will guarantee if you follow it, that you will receive God's favor and your children will stay on the right course. So you can imagine thinking back in time, like, wow, this would sound very appealing to parents, especially a lot of first generation parents. So parents who themselves did not grow up in a Christian family. And so they didn't have any sort of discipleship themselves, but now here they are wanting something better for their kids. And that's what Gothard promised. He came on the scene promising these answers, promising these principles for parents to follow. And in doing so, they would receive God's blessing and they would have success in raising their kids in the way they should go. But here's the kicker. Gothard's many of his teachings came across as, but if you don't follow my principles, if you don't follow this program, if you don't follow these things exactly as I have laid them out, as he was presenting was biblical and scriptural, then your life would just be one disaster after another. And in a lot of his teachings, he would bring application points for people who had disastrous lives and say, well, look at this person with this problem or this disease or this accident, or look at how this family's falling apart. And then he would bring, he would tell a story and bring all these reasons for why this disaster was happening to this family or this person, and it always circled back to they weren't following one of the seven principles that he had laid out, the basic life principles. And I'll get into that in just a second. I think that at that time, parents really wanted a black and white solution. They really wanted a method, right? We all do. We're like, just give me the plan. Give me the method. Give me this 10-step program so that I can stay on the straight and narrow and do the right thing, right? I think in our hearts, we all want that. Um, but that's not what God's word oftentimes presents. It doesn't, you know, it does give us a lot of guidelines and principles and rules and wisdom. Um, but there are oftentimes where we take that way further and we put a lot of rules on things that God doesn't. And that's what was happening. So parents were buying into a lot of his programs, his curriculum, thinking that it was the answer to keep their kids from sin. He started hosting these seminars. This is when he really, the height of his popularity, I would say the 60s and 70s, when he was hosting these humongous seminars that would literally fill stadiums like 10,000 people strong. Like, that's crazy. That's like, these are almost like revival style, um, you know, seminars that he's hosting and people are flocking to them. Parents and families are coming in droves to hear what this man has to say. And so he started these conferences, these programs, um, and then that kind of morphed into some homeschool curriculum that he wrote and then eventually founded what many people have heard of, IBLP, which stands for Institute in Basic Life Principles. And that is the organization that a lot of the seminars and conferences came out of. And then he also founded ATI, which stands for Advanced Training Institute. That program was geared more for curriculum um, and a lot of stuff for homeschool families. And so you could go to his seminars, you could learn his principles for success, for biblical Christian success, and then you could buy his programs and you could do them at home and you could train your children in the way they should go using his methods, using his wisdom booklets, using all the things. And you know, if you did, it was almost like you're gonna you are going to have God's favor because you're gonna be walking the right path and this is the path to success. And so of course that sounds really appealing. Now, the seven basic life principles, they really are like, if you just look at them at face value, like from the outside, it's like, okay, these things seem good, right? And okay, these scriptures, like some of them, oh, I could kind of see how you get there. But it's when you dig deeper down into each principle and really the problem comes when you have one verse that feels like it's cut out of context, like from scripture. And then there's very, very specific application applied to that one verse with no other context. And the application is so specific, far beyond anything that scripture says at all about how you should live or dress or what you should do, how you should think, what music you should listen to in that specific area. And so that's where I think a lot of the problems came is that the application drilled down so specifically, like would pinpoint exactly what you should and shouldn't do and draw very hard, very black and white lines. And one line was the one side of the line was applying the verse biblically, according to Gothard, receiving God's favor, pursuing success. And then if you did not follow the application of how he laid it out for that particular scripture in that particular um, basic life principle, in that individual principle, then you would be on, you know, outside of God's favor, outside, um, basically sinning if you did anything different. And so I'm not going to get into the nooks and crannies of every principle, but just to lay them out. So he had principle one, design, principle two, authority, principle three, responsibility, principle four, suffering, principle five, ownership, principle six, freedom, and principle seven, success. And one of the things, I don't really get into this in my conversation with Ginger, but 
one of the things that he would do frequently in his teachings and in his curriculum is that he would share, quote, truth by analogy. So what I mean by that is he would regularly tell stories um, about things that happened to people, or I remember hearing one story years ago about his um, reasoning for why any sort of music with a certain type of beat was considered sinful and really demonic. And he brought, rather than bringing a specific scripture, because there isn't one, to back this up, he brought, quote, truth by analogy and told a story about a missionary who went to a tribal people, you know, somewhere deep in Africa and This tribe had not heard the specific type of music with this specific type of beat, and they heard it and immediately, you know, started praising the demon gods and saying, this is, this music is the demon gods music or, you know, something like that. And so basically using that analogy to say, see, any music, you know, even these tribal people know like this kind of music is satanic. This kind of music is demonic. So therefore, clearly we should not be listening. Like this is of the devil. So this kind of music is not what Christians should be listening to. Um, So that's just one example, something I remember personally, I'm sure I got the story wrong, but that was the basic idea. Like that is how the truth by analogy was shared. And then those things that he would say, you know, like, okay, so therefore beats with these, this kind of music is demonic and evil. And if you listen to it, you will fall out of God's favor. You will be sinning. Therefore, you will not have success. You will start to see health issues arise in your family. You will see disaster come upon your children. I mean, literally, like it was that severe to fall out, you know, to, to branch out and like do something that wasn't considered biblically right. And so you can imagine if you are hearing this just about music and then you apply that to very specific rules about modesty, there were also very specific guidelines. And that's why everybody who would attend any conferences or events that Gothard put on, everybody, all of the women were wearing very modest, very long skirts or dresses, only no pants um, because pants were considered very immodest and then very much like covered up tops, um, no sleeveless, you know, things like that. And just like the dress for women was so specific for what modesty was. But clearly when we look in scripture, we see God's call for women to dress modestly. We see that that matters, but we don't see God giving us this super specific five-step plan for exactly what modesty looks like for us today and what is considered considered biblical and unbiblical. We just don't see that. But much of what Gothard presented in his curriculum would get that specific down to defining exactly what modesty is. And then any woman who doesn't pursue that version of modesty is sinning. And so that is why um, I believe the Duggars wore skirts only and dresses only. And many of the people I knew growing up also would only wear skirts and dresses. Um, So, and I'm going to get a little bit more into my personal experience with Gothard and with Um, ATI, IBLP, all of that here in just a second. So that just goes to show you how someone who believes that they're, you know, maybe the parent, I think many parents had very good intentions. They wanted the best for their children, but as they got into this curriculum and it was so black and white and it just seemed like, wow, this man has the answer to everything. You know, this man, like he has figured out exactly 100% how God wants us to live as Christians in this modern day and age. You can see how parents who didn't have any discipleship growing up themselves are like, this is awesome. Like this gives me everything from A to Z, every answer that I need. And so they adopt the curriculum, they go to the conferences, and then they put all of these rules on their family, on their children, all of these guidelines, all of these principles, because they want a successful family. They want to honor God. They want to train children in the way they should go. And so I look back and think, you know, I think so many parents were very well-intentioned, wanting the best for their kids. But this is what happens when you follow one man and he's not Jesus, and you look to him to be your guide, to be your truth, to be your compass, rather than digging into God's word for yourself. Something else that Bill Gothard was really known for was this idea called the umbrella of authority. And this is something that comes out of one of his seven principles. But this umbrella of authority, Ginger gets into it a little bit in our conversation, is the idea that you have authority structures, which is true, which is biblical. There are authority structures. There are parent to child, you know, boss to co to worker to employee um to the president like there's all these hierarchies of of authority and that's true but the way he would apply it was like he would tell this story of an umbrella and say imagine an umbrella and everyone who's in authority over you is like that umbrella and you are under it and when you're under their authority submitting submitting in every way to any authority that's above you then you will be safe you will be protected from the storm because you're under the umbrella. But if in any way you step outside, you question, 
you do not obey. And this included adult children. So adult children who were fully grown, if they in any way did not obey their parents, if their parents said, no, you cannot marry that person or no, you cannot get that job to that adult child, then that was considered that child stepping out of the umbrella of authority and therefore they would have calamity, you know, come upon them. And there would be no surprise if their life turned out to be a disaster. And so obviously, biblically, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There's a reason God gave parents to children. We need our parents to guide us in truth and all of that stuff. Pastors and churches, shepherds, all of that's very good and biblical. And there is so much wisdom in looking to counsel. The Bible talks about that. But the way he had the authority structure set up for um, these different levels of authority, it was like there is no room to question. There is no room for adult children to have any really decisions or choices of their own unless it 100% lines up with the parents in every single way. Um, So that's not always biblical. That's not always going to be the right path. And so that was one thing, a huge thing that I know was hard for a lot of people who grew up and were literally like in their 30s and 40s and felt like they never knew how to become independent or never knew they never knew how to make their own decisions or choices because they were always told what to do and they were always just told like obey your parents do what they say and your life will be great. And then they're like now they're adult on their own like I don't know how to do that anymore. So I know for a lot of people growing up in that system it caused a lot of problems for them later on. So in my opinion, I think Bill Gothard's teachings in many ways seem to be based more on fear, superstition, legalism, and more on control than on God's word. Um, That's just my personal opinion. I know everybody has big, different opinions about this, but when I look back and I look at a lot of the curriculum and even having read Ginger's book, they were much more immersed in the programs than I ever was. Um, It seems very clear that this was not biblical. So quick snippet, my experience. Growing up, we were not in the ultra conservative community um, until like my, like I was 10, 11, 12. And I remember my parents came across some of the teachings of Bill Gothard in the conferences. And they were, of course, they, they are both first generation Christians. They did not have any discipleship. So they fell into that category totally. They wanted what was best for us. They were looking for, for community for us, for like mindedness, for other families who were going in the same direction, like wanting to honor God, wanting to raise children in the Lord. And so, they were they saw a lot of things that were appealing about it and i totally get it and i think there is there is truth it's not like every single thing was a lie it's just a lot of it wasn't the context wasn't biblically accurate and the application for sure but there were still a lot of other things that were perfectly fine about it like if you dig in it's not like every single thing is heresy so you know, there were a, a lot of things that appealed to my parents. And so we we never joined any of the programs. We didn't do any of the curriculum at home growing up being homeschooled. Um, but we did go to some of the conferences and do some of the programs, just kind of like a la carte. Like, okay, we'll take that one. That seems good. Okay, okay, maybe try this one. Um, but I remember from the beginning, my parents were very hesitant to jump fully into anything that was just led by one man. You know, I even remember hearing them talk about it, you know, like, you know, there are a lot of things that are great, but it's just this one man writing all of this stuff. And it seems like it's very much like his opinion. He's the authority. And they're like, you know, we're going to go to God's word and we're not going to do everything that he says. Like we're going to think for ourselves. And so I really, really appreciated that about my parents. And so as a result, we went to the programs, we went to some of the conferences, but my parents were like, we don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says you can't wear pants. Like they didn't see that. And so we grew up wearing pants, wearing shorts, playing sports as girls, Um, you know, some of the things that Bill Gothard had laid out was like daughters can never have any sort of job outside of the home ever. Um, My parents didn't feel that way. So we had jobs growing up outside of the home as well, like in a really great, healthy way, learning how to work hard and earn money and all that, you know, savings, all that stuff, Um, things like that. And so, um, yeah, even like the relationship guidelines, my parents wanted us to pursue relationships in a more intentional way. And we were all for that, but they weren't like, okay, where, where does it say in scripture? Like if you go, like, if you're going to get to know a guy, like you have to have a sibling with you at all times, like chaperoning you every single minute of every single day. They're like, we don't really see that in the Bible. So we did kind of a combination of courtship plus with dating, like we would go on dates and things like that. Um, but it was just very intentional. So just stuff like that. So we were involved, but we weren't immersed and we were not like bought into everything. And then as time got on, got as time went on, I think my parents saw more and more like, okay, we're not like this is 
this is a little bit crazy. Like we're not really into all of this. And so rather than just like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, like everything's horrible and like going off the deep end, my parents were like, you know what? We're just, we're gonna pursue other things. And so we just did other programs and other conferences and kind of slowly faded out of being a part of anything anymore. And I'm really grateful for that, looking back on it. And I'm grateful for this the critical thinking that my parents encouraged us to have when it comes to one man's teachings. But I will say that I think it did affect me. And I'm even realizing this more and more now, This the past few years, I feel like I've been growing in, in realizing that because of that sort of methodology, that sort of teaching style, where it's like you take one verse and then you make all this application, super specific ap- application based on it. I think that I took that away from that season of my life without even realizing it. And I began to view the Bible from that perspective of, okay, let me find the one application that I can get from this verse and then, you know, figure out exactly down to the details how this needs to be lived out. What is biblically true in this area of my life? And although the modesty didn't look the same as the Duggars, I remember drawing some very specific lines, you know, reading those verses about modesty and thinking, okay, well, well, what does that mean? Like, what is modesty for me? And then drawing very black and white lines and then not only viewing that modesty standard for myself, but thinking, okay, I have found, you know, in my heart, like this is the modesty standard everybody needs to abide by. You know, this is the right line. And my line was totally different than the Duggars. Like, yeah, I can wear pants and shorts, but the shorts have to be, you know, this long, this far away from the knee, or, you know, I can wear dresses but they can't be this low cut or they have to go all the way to the knee, whatever it is. It's like, I almost laugh thinking back on it. (laughs) Like I was the same. I had my black and white standards. They were just different. But in my mind, I was viewing my standards as the biblical standards that everybody else, you know, needed to get on board with. And so as time went on, I realized like I was also doing that, taking those one verses, drawing those black and white lines, even when it came to relationships or um, you know, even music for a season. I remember like thinking there's no room to ever listen to anything that isn't explicitly biblical and explicitly Christian. And then just realizing like, no, there's even freedom in that and wisdom in that and how we navigate music. And so God has been doing a lot of work in my own heart over the years. And I'm super grateful for that. And I'm super grateful for how he's grown my perspective of scripture, of seeing God, of seeing the Bible as one complete story about God and about the gospel and about Jesus and not a complete story about me where every single thing has to do with me and my application. Um, So that's been really helpful. I just feel like my perspective on the whole Bible and the gospel and the story that's being told has just become so much more dear and precious to me. Um, so to this day, I still know so many families who were a part of the ATI, the IBLP, the Bill Gothard community, and there really was like such a wide range of families, families like my family, where they were kind of like partly in, but partly skeptical and just kind of taking what they liked and not following every rule um, down to the you know, the last degree. Um, And then there were families who were 100% in, who took every single thing he said as like gospel truth and applied every single thing to their life and their families. And I think for many of those people, there has been a huge fallout. Um, Sadly, I think a lot of the kids that I grew up with that were in these communities have completely strayed from the faith, have completely gone away because they were under such intense legalistic style teaching and rules. They were never taught how to cultivate a relationship with Christ for themselves. And so as a result, of course, it's like that is such a huge burden to be burdened with all of these rules and these teachings, not really being taught how to have a thriving personal relationship with Christ, how to read and study the Bible, how to see God in it, how to understand grace and freedom, but truth, um, wisdom, like all of these things, it's hard. And so it makes sense, but it's so sad to see so much of the fallout today. And I think this comes as a good warning sign for all of us that anytime you follow one man's teachings exclusively and that man is not Jesus, then I think you that should be a red flag. That should be a red flag warning when you let someone else do all of the biblical thinking, studying, researching for you instead of saying, okay, that's interesting. That sounds biblical, biblical, but let me go to God's word on my own and do the research for myself. Sadly, we often want to be spoon fed, right? We want the easy, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like what's biblical, just give it to me. And we we aren't like the Bereans that scripture talks about. We aren't those people who dig into God's word and study it and say, well, God, what do you say? What does your word say? Let me compare everything I'm hearing according to your word. We don't have that critical thinking, that biblical mindset of like, let me take everything back to God's word. 
So that's what we need to do. That's my encouragement for myself. That's what I'm striving to do. That's what I encourage you to do, whether you grew up in this Bill Gothard community or not. Um, it is so easy to follow any sort of influencer, any sort of pastor, preacher, teacher, and to view their opinions about the Bible as like gospel truth. We need to make sure the only gospel truth that's truth is what the gospel is in scripture. So one of the ways that I think we saw that recently is with Josh Harris, right? And like his whole deconstructing of his faith and so many thousands of people who read his book on I Kiss Dating Goodbye and, you know, just bought into everything he said 100%. Like, okay, Josh, thank you for the guideline, the this five-step program for dating. We're going to follow it without actually going to scripture and saying, okay, yeah, this, there's some good value here in this teaching, you know, not dating in a worldly way, but like how can we pursue relationships intentionally, like taking some of the wisdom, but not viewing him as the ultimate authority and then building everything about your dating life or not dating life, really. <laughs> you relate the way you pursue relationships according to exactly what he said. I think we saw so much fallout. Um, so many people who said like, he ruined my life, you know, all these problems because of him. I don't think it was him. I think it was people viewing him as the final authority and not taking what he wrote and then going, okay, well, but what does God's word say? I think that's where we went wrong. And I think that's where we're always going to go wrong if we follow one man's teaching exclusively as having the only biblical truth on a certain topic or subject. We have to be Bereans. We have to go to God's word for ourselves. So that was a mouthful. That was way more than I think I was planning to say, but I think it's all important. And I think it's going to make my conversation with Ginger, Ginger, even more valuable to you as you have this understanding, this backstory um, of Bill Gothard, of this movement that is no more. And we're going to get into that. There was a huge falling out um, and lots of allegations that came against him of sexual abuse with women. And we're going to get to that here at the end of our conversation. I am so grateful after reading Ginger's book that she has not chosen the path of a Josh Harris of just completely deconstructing her faith and rejecting everything, but rather the word she uses in her subtitle of her book, I love it, disentangle. She has chosen to disentangle her faith from the error, which has led her now because she's not rejecting Christ. Like I'm throwing everything out. She's like, no, I need to disentangle what is not true about God. What is not true about the scriptures? What is not true about God's teachings? I need to disentangle the lies and the error and then look to Christ fully. And as a result of her doing this, she now has a thriving, beautiful, grace-filled, gospel-centered elevated view of Christ. Um, her life is just so free and so beautiful, but it's freedom in Christ. It's grace in Christ. It's the gospel. She is more committed as a servant of the Lord now than she ever was before because her heart is in it for the Lord. She is following Christ. And so I am so excited to get into my conversation today with Ginger. We're about to jump in, um, but as you'll hear in her story, there were a lot of twists and turns, a lot of things that didn't go according to her plan, or even the fact that she's taking a really different path from her family now. I know there are a lot of challenges in that and just not really being on the same page and not having those agreements, but still loving one another. Um, so I just want to say, if you're someone who feels like, man, my life has a lot of twists and turns, there are hard things uh, with family or just prayers that I feel like are unanswered, seasons of life I thought I, I would be in, but I'm not, then I just want to encourage you to grab a copy of our book at Girl to Find, our most recent book called Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. This book, I think, will be a huge encouragement to you as you're on your own journey of trusting God with wherever he has you right now in the valleys, in the lows, in the unknowns, in the fear, you're feeling anxious, please grab a copy, whether you, I don't care if you get it free, get it from your library, get the audiobook. Um, not part of the plan, trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. I think you're going to find it super, super encouraging. Okay. And then grab a copy of Ginger's book too, because it's the bomb. Without further ado, let's dive in to my conversation with Ginger. I am so excited for this conversation today because if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I have with me Ginger Duggar Volo, and you may recognize the Duggar name from the reality TV hit show that she was on with her family, 19 Kids and Counting, and then the sequel, Counting On. Um, she recently came out with a book called Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear, and I am so excited to dig into your story, Ginger. Welcome to The Girl Defined Show. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. Okay, so I read your entire book before this because I was so intrigued, for one, when I saw it come out. And I was just really like, I wanted to learn and grow as well because I grew up in a similar background. So in your book, you talk about this Christian subculture. You talk obviously a lot about Bill Gothard, IBLP, um, the big ATI conferences. And I remember 
going to some of the same conferences as you, like mm-hmm. seeing your family there and seeing your parents speak. And it was interesting because although we went to some of the events and like did some of the programs, my parents were always a little bit hesitant about joining because they were mm-hmm. like, you know, it just seems so focused around this one guy, Bill Gothard. Um, you know, we weren't into like wearing the skirts to the floor. We played sports and we wore pants, but we still, my parents were like, we still like some of these principles. I'm from a big family. Nine kids feel small compared to your family, <laughs> but it's just so interesting. So much of what you were sharing in your book, I was like, oh my goodness, wow, I had never thought of it that way. Or wow, you know, I'm, I'm not really in that scene anymore, but she's so right about so many of the principles and the things that were taught through these programs. And so I was just relating on a personal level. I was encouraged by the way you were digging into scripture um, and just the way that you were saying, look, we've got to look at God's word. We've got to look to him for our answers and not a program, not a principle and not one man. And as I was looking through some of the comments on your social media that someone had commented regarding your book, this one girl said, she's like, I've been watching the Duggars for years. I love their show, but what is she talking about? Like cult, like religion or breaking free. Like she was so confused, like what is going on? And although I feel like I can relate to a lot of what you've shared in your book, I think some people listening right now might feel like, what is she breaking free from? What a cult, like what is she talking about? So can you just give us a quick nutshell on what that means? Yes. So my story that I wanted to tell in this book, Becoming Free Indeed, it's, it's really the story of my faith journey because I did grow up under um, some harmful theology that it threatened leave me fearful and confused about who Jesus is. And so this is the story of how I've had to, what I'd say, disentangle truth from error on my way to finding freedom in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this story has um, been something that I've really wanted to share because like you said, you were kind of, your family kind of dabbled a little bit, like, yeah. okay, I'm going to take some pieces from it. But um, for those who were totally um, engrossed in the teachings, it was really sad to see a lot of the kids just um, leaving Christianity entirely because it was just so confusing. They were so confused about mm-hmm. what what is true and what is not true. Um And so that's what really gave me a desire to write this book. Mm -hmm. When you mention a cult-like religion, what does that mean? Yeah, I think that these teachings, I I can't say, okay, it is a cult, because I think the experts would have to say that. But when I look at it, it has certain dimensions of that, because I think when you follow and focus on, like you said, one leader, mm-hmm. um, it it becomes this this focus on this one person thinking he has these answers that he's giving to us um, from God and, and multiple people, including myself, maybe at some point thought, okay, this guy may be a prophet from God. Maybe God sent him to share this this um, these teachings that I wouldn't have been able to figure out anywhere else. And so that in itself was enough to like, now looking back, I'm like, that was, that was crazy that I thought that. Um, but whenever you're in that setting, it's, it's tough to leave because Mm -hmm. Bill Gothard, the way he taught the Bible, it was focused on, he said, if you, if you abide by my, um, seven basic principles, if you live these out, your life will be a success. You'll be blessed by God. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then your life will be one disaster after another. And so the community I grew up in was very tight-knit, and I really believed that. I remember seeing a friend who left that setting, and she started wearing pants, and I was very bothered for her because I was like, you know what you're doing. You're going to bring disaster on yourself if you start doing that. If you step outside of any little rule or any little line, then your life is going to, um, be, you know, destroyed. So that's, that's why that, and then multiple, it, it could keep going. Yes. I could keep going as yeah. to why, because why it's-, uh, it's just, it's, it's so sad to see how I think whenever kids are trying to leave that, that's a lot of kids who just genuinely in the beginning weren't saved, we're wrapped up in that. It does not make the beauty of the gospel something to focus on. Mm-hmm. It's it's focusing on your performance, man-made religion, all these rules as being um, what will either gain you favor with God or will um, 
bring harm on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciated early on in your book, maybe it was even in the intro where you talked about how this book isn't a tell all about your family. And I know you're pretty close to your family. I'm really close to my family, you know, big family, but somehow it's like, wow, it doesn't feel huge because you're close. And, you know, you have the siblings that you're closer to and whatnot. I'm the second oldest. And then Mm -hmm. there are five girls, three boys and really close to my sisters, Mm -hmm. um, really close to my parents. And I know you're similar in that because just the way you talk about them in your book and the way you talk about your childhood and so many things that you appreciate about what your parents did and how they raised you. But I can't help but wondering now as you're coming out with this, it's not a tell-all, it's your personal journey, um, but I don't know, are they on a different journey? Probably so. Like, how do they feel about you sharing all of this? Yeah, I wanted to state at the beginning that this is not a tell-all about my family Mm -hmm. because it's interesting when you're in the public eye, you you learn, okay, if I'm going to speak out about anything then it it just can be tough because we will all have differences. There are so many of us. Um, and I know it could be turned into a headline here or there. Um, but at the end of the day, this story is my story about how I've left these teachings. And I will say that I had a very sweet childhood. My parents sought to give us the sweetest um, childhood that we could have and they also um, just sacrificed so much for us and pointed us to Jesus. And at the same time, I can see, okay, they they were wrapped up in these teachings as well. And Bill Gothard, um, he he would teach these things as like a guarantee of success for your family. So mm-hmm. parents would get wrapped up in that, thinking this is going to be what's best for my kids. And I can see that. And say, okay, I understand it. I get it because I was there. And this book, I didn't want it to be anything but sharing my story, how I came out of these teachings. Hopefully it will be winsome for anybody still in the teachings can read this book and say, it's it's done in a way that's respectful and um, tasteful. And at the same time, I come down hard on the teachings of Bill Gothard because yeah. it's so damaging and I yeah. see... Parents got wrapped up in that, but it needs to be exposed. It needs to be said. And so um, whenever I first started, like, you know, wearing pants, there were were a lot of people who would say, okay, Ginger's doing this for a certain reason. Um, But that's just not the case. I I live my life um, according to the Bible. And so if I didn't see that in the Bible, then I would, I had a conversation with my family and would say, okay, this is why I don't see this in the word of God. And, um, at the end of the day, we can agree to disagree on a lot of these different issues. And, um, I think that they just really want what's best for me and the same for them as I do. And I would just hope that, um, people, the reader could come away seeing that that is the tone throughout the book is that it, I want to share my story and, hopefully it will be helpful to even just one person Mm -hmm. to come out of these teachings. Yeah. Have you been able to talk with any of your siblings or parents about the book specifically? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I talked with my parents before um, I said anything publicly to anyone and we were able to have that conversation. They're still in the teachings and I don't know how many of my siblings are. I think some of them have kind of left the teachings, not all of them, but I'll let them speak for themselves Mm -hmm. on that. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I shared with them that I was writing it and wanted them to know up front. And then, um, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't know what everyone's responses will be to the book, but I just wanted to speak truth. Part of that was because I wrote a book with my sisters back, um, years ago, and it had a lot of these principles in there from Bill Gothard. And I promoted that and that book did really well. And so I wanted to come back and say, okay, I've, I I see that um, that was wrong and these teachings are harmful. And so I wanted to bring the balancing truth of the gospel of Jesus yeah. being the answer and not following this man. Like you said, it's, it's so mm-hmm. important that we follow the word of God, that we don't get um, like so focused on even the externals where the speaking where scripture speaks mm-hmm. and being silent where scripture is silent is something that I realize more and more every day, it's so important. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amen to all of that. What was it like switching gears a little bit? Um, And by the way, I will say after reading your book and even thinking like, wow, my family's so close, like how would they feel if I came out with something and, you know, like, wow, the Lord's really been teaching me all these things. And I felt like for sure the way you wrote to me came across so winsome and so gracious and so loving. Um, It was just a very transparent, honest, but gracious approach in sharing your story, not condemning anyone, but saying like, this is the freedom I found in Christ. And it was really beautiful to read. So great job. I just thought you did a wonderful job. Okay. Tell us really quick for all of us who haven't been on reality TV. What was it like? I know you said the camera started rolling when you were 10 years old. So what was it like just briefly being on reality TV, growing up on it really for all those years? Hmm. It was interesting. Uh, I am so grateful for the opportunities that the show brought to us because being such a large family, it would have been crazy expensive to travel the world, but um, the show provided that opportunity. And I look back on those years, I was like, wow, I traveled so much. I flew all over the, the country, all over the world. And I'm so grateful for that because it opened my eyes to um, the beauty of travel, the beauty of different countries. And, um, that was such a sweet thing to be able to do with my family. And, um, and then at the same time, like I would look at, uh, the reality TV side of it and say, okay, that was, it's a challenge. Like the older you get, you can always look back on those times and say, oh man, like I, I was raised in, um, on TV in my most difficult times I was walking through, people wouldn't see necessarily. Um, but there were some times when they would see that. And it was really difficult because you have to always um, be ready to speak and almost always be on. And that was something that I just felt like was so normal. Um, and looking looking back now, I'd say, okay, my younger self I was in this system, very comfortable. And so part of it was I would look at the show as um, maybe sharing these principles with people. And that's a good thing because then they can come into Bill Gothard's teachings and their life will be a success. So I was grateful for that opportunity as a young kid. And now I look back and say, okay, I would have shared a different message with them, shared more of the grace of God and, um, and the beauty of being a child of God and how he relates to his children and things like that that I, I think I missed. Um, and then also the performance side of it, it was, it was interesting. Like you, you walk through the most challenging seasons of your life in a very public way. And that's hard. It's just hard. Wow. And do you, did you feel like you could be honest about some of those challenges or was the idea like best foot forward smiles on when the cameras were rolling? Mm. I think it, it depends on what the challenge was. Mm -hmm. Like when my grandma died, I remember they were there at her funeral, and that was kind of interesting. Wow. You have TV cameras there, and I was crying a lot. And um, those those situations that we walked through were very real and very normal. I think a lot of people relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, when whenever we walked through even more challenging stuff with my brother. Um, it, it was something that I just couldn't have expected to walk through in a public way. And, um, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And the cameras are always there. So you're like, how are we going to navigate this? Something Mm -hmm. you mentioned in chapter one of your book is an online group that was started while you were on TV called free ginger. What was that about? (laughs) The free ginger movement, right? I think they called themselves. Crazy. So there was a whole forum called Free Ginger, and basically this group wanted me to be freed from my life. I think they would see me like roll my eyes on camera or Mm. um, do things like that, but I was just being funny. Like I was just a very funny personality with a lot of spunk, a lot of life. And so I would kind of lean into being that, that character. Um, okay. <laughs> and it was not acting, but it was like who I was. So I was like, whatever. Um, yeah. But they they kind of took this and ran with it and made a narrative of wanting me to run away from my family and move to the big city because they would see when we would travel to cities, I would always comment on how I loved the busyness. And I thought how cool it would be to live in New York City one day. And it's really funny. So they leaned heavily into that and made a thing of it. And I think they genuinely, looking back, like I'd say, okay, I think they saw 
some of the errors of this teaching and thought it was very um, oppressive and wanted me to come free of that, but leave Christianity altogether. Mm. And so I I could see one side and say, oh, well, they were gracious enough to like think about me at that time, but my conclusion is different. So I, all these years later, I'll look back at that and say, huh, that's interesting. But then my conclusion is totally different. I've come to freedom in Christ, mm-hmm. not freedom from throwing off all restraints and you know, living the good life, as they would say. But living the good life is with Jesus in close relationship, um, knowing Him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just thought that was so funny when you were sharing in your book. Like, there's this whole movement, like, wanting uh-huh. to free me. I'm like, wow, that is going to deal with all sorts of fun stuff, right? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, I know we can't get into everything regarding, like, the teachings and Bill Gothard and the principles, but for people who are like, okay, what were these principles? I know you really go in length in your book. So if anybody wants more about this, just grab, grab her book, Becoming Free Indeed. But, like, there are seven principles that Bill Gothard outlines for success, you had really bought into all of these, it sounds like, and you felt like this is almost salvation, like this is the way. So just give us a quick flyover. What were they and how did they impact your view of the Christian life? Yeah. So Bill Gothard had these seven basic principles for life. And like I said, he said, like, if you would follow them, your life would be a success. So I would focus my life on like, okay, today I want to honor my parents, which the Bible speaks about honoring your parents. It's true. But the he, Bill Gothard would say, okay, the the principle of authority. Mm-hmm. It means that you know you're under this protection. Um, if you're under your parents' authority, that means you know you're doing everything that they say. And the second that you disobey, you're opening yourself up to Satan's attacks. And so, even if I was confessing mm-hmm. sin, I would be like, oh no, I have to confess everything to my parents, almost like a priest. It was kind of interesting. I had this mm-hmm. mindset that was off um, about what was required of me. And so I would be so introspective and I look at myself and I'd say, Oh no, did I, did I obey, did I obey this principle today? Did I, um, you know, honor my parents in every way I should. Otherwise I was sure Satan was just able to attack me mm-hmm. even as once I was a believer. So before I was a believer, that was escalated because I, I had no, um, I was trying to like do all these things. I was trying to live this good life but these external rules can never change your heart. They, they're they only able to, you can put it up for so long, but then whatever is truly in your heart is mm-hmm. going to come out because true transformation only comes from the inside out when Jesus changes your heart in salvation. Yeah. So I was trying to do all the outward stuff, trying to obey my parents, trying to, you know, have a proper view of like the design. What is design? Okay. That's, that's one of the principles I have to like lean into that. What does God say about design? God designed me this way. And now I need to, you know, dress a certain way and all this. Mm -hmm. I would like fall into this do, do, do me, 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 instead of looking to Jesus and saying, okay, I want to look to the word of God. I want to see what God's word says, but I was, it was easy enough to prop yourself up with all these outward standards, which is what I did for so many years. Yeah. Um, So uh, that's how I would view my life. And I genuinely thought this is what, you know, I knew that salvation wasn't by works in my mind, but Bill Gothard would deny that in his teachings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would try to like almost gain favor with God by doing or not doing certain things. Mm -hmm. It feels like it was so much more. And I remember this just from a few of the events that we went to. We never really did as a family, like the curriculum. Like I said, my parents were, they liked some of what they saw, but then they had concerns about a lot of it. And now we're not involved in any of it. Um, but it did feel very much like a checklist of rules and less about a relationship. So these are the rules of, of a re- you know, these are the rules of being a good Christian, you know, follow all of these rules and you will have abundance, you will have success, you will have health and wealth and all yep. of these like prosperity gospel promises. And in fact, side story, I remember I was at an event once and I met Bill Gothard in person and you describe in your book how it's like this big moment if you meet him. And I remember feeling that way, like, oh, this yeah. is such a huge deal. I was in this line and we got to meet him and he asked asked me, he said, so is your family, are they members of ATI, of the organization? 
we weren't. And so hilarious. The reason we weren't is because my parents originally had looked into joining. And one of the rules for men was that they could not have a beard. That oh, they could yeah. not have any facial hair. And my dad has a beard. He always has. He's never shaved it. And so they were <laughs> like, what? My parents were like, this is crazy. And so they're like, okay, well, we don't wow. need to join. We can do some of the programs. So when Bill wow. Gothard asked me that... <laughs> I literally told him, I was like, well, my parents looked into joining, but my dad has a beard. And one of the rules says that men can't have beards. So we weren't able to join. And he kind of laughed. He was like, oh, oh." and then he said, well, tell your parents to look into joining again. We'll make sure that they get in or whatever. And I was like, change that. Yeah, right. Kristen. Yes. That's part of it, though, because he's the authority. Yes. And so he gets to make up those rules of like, Oh, you can't, you can not have a beard. And then that changes. He's like laughing, like you said, laughing at himself, like, huh, that's funny. Oh no, he can join. Try again, you know, and I'll change it. Yes. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> what? Makes no sense. So no. I thought you would get a, get a kick out of that. And then when I got, my parents were like, oh, how'd it go? Like meeting him, I told them. And they were like, my dad was like, you told him that? And I was like, yes. <laughs> of course. And they were like, okay, whatever. But oh my that's goodness. So. so- I know. Isn't that wild? So at what point for you did you start rethinking Mm -hmm. what was going on? I know we don't have a ton of time left. So just give us the the flyover when you were rethinking what you'd been taught, what was happening. And then we're going to get into when you met your husband, Jeremy, right after this. Yeah, I started thinking about, okay, how could, how could all of this stuff, um, like, how is it all true? I don't I don't know. I thought it was for so many years. Even when Bill Gothard fell from grace, I still kind of like, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't true. Maybe it was mm-hmm. somebody trying to get him. Or I just wanted to deny all of those allegations. And so- Say really, Describe really quick what those were. I think a lot of people listening aren't going to be yeah. familiar with the allegations. So, yes. Yeah, so Bill Gothard had a fall from grace um, in the early years and then reinstated himself into ministry and then continued for many years. But it wasn't until um, there was a lawsuit filed against him with 30 plus women um, had accused him of sexual misconduct. And that ended up um, statute of limitations. It wasn't, um, he was never charged. But in that time, I just totally denied that any of that was possible because I thought, how could a prophet of God or how could somebody who has such good teachings have done any of this? So it was interesting. But um, moving forward, how I came out of these teachings, I saw my brother-in-law, now brother-in-law, Ben. It was when he was talking to my sister, Jessa. We would go visit his family. They did things a little bit different. They would like wear pants or the girls would work outside the home or go to college. And I saw some of those things and thought, okay, well, their family loves Jesus. And I've seen other families do that, but it was different for me being in being inside their home and seeing how, okay, they have a different commitment to the word of God even. They read the Bible differently and they're not trying to add to it or take away. And they just want to be committed to what does the word of God say, walking verse by verse through the Bible at their church. And that was something that it really was beautiful for me to see in it. And so I started reading the Bible a a little differently, like thinking, okay, I want to see what the context is of the word of God, this passage I'm reading. And um, instead of trying to put myself into every single verse Mm -hmm. and say, okay, what does this verse say to me today? Oh, I'm about to go shopping. Okay, what does it talk about? Is it about frugality? What is it about? You know, like I try to put myself into everything. And um, that that shifted in my mind. And I started reading the Bible um, as it's written and <laughs> as this beautiful story that God has written and I'm not placing myself into every text. So that shifted, but it wasn't until I met my husband, Jeremy, he had come on, on the scene. He was raised in a different setting than I was in a Christian home, but his family was committed to, um, like they were, they were in a different place. So like he, mm-hmm. he and his siblings had a very different life than I did. Um, and so he had been pl- playing professional soccer, ended up pastoring a church. When I met him, he was just starting to pastor this church and, he ended up being asked by my dad before we could get to talking. Like he, they said, okay, just listen to 60 plus hours of Bill Gothard's teaching so you can know what perspective we're coming from. <laughs> wow. So, and what was, was Jeremy like, 
what? Or was he, <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. Yeah. Whatever. Like he was going to do whatever, um, that my dad asked of him. Mm-hmm. So he started listening to these teachings and the first few, he was like, huh, he has some interesting things to say, kind of more philosophical, but okay. Like it's all right. Mm-hmm. So the further in he got, he was like, whoa, this is not, no, Ginger, this is not Bible teaching. And I was wow. like, what did you just say? Like, yeah, you say that. So it really um, caught me off guard, kind of shook me up because that was my foundation for everything wow. for these teachings. And so um, at the same time, though, that that was happening, it was also like an aha moment, but the Lord just opening my eyes to seeing that this is not what Christianity is all about, what kind of food we eat, what we drink, what we wear. That's not what righteousness and holiness is about. It doesn't come from that. And so I started to see a beautiful side, even though it was scary at first Mm. because I was promised my life was going to be destroyed if I stepped outside of these teachings. I, at the same time, had a freedom in my heart because I knew, okay, as soon as I don't see this in the Word of God, I'm convinced and I'm only going to be convinced of these teachings as being true if they're in the Word of God. So part of the, like, not examining Bill Gothard's teachings, I was like, how did I, how was I in there for so long? Right. We weren't supposed to question. So I thought, okay, like, once I question it, it doesn't stand up for itself. It can't because it's not mm-hmm. in the Word of God. And that's what set me free because mm-hmm. as we were walking through these teaching after teaching, it just – the the legalistic side of those mm-hmm. standards that I thought were convictions, those things fell off. And I started to see the beauty of Jesus in a whole new light. Although it took me years to get there to where I wasn't condemning myself for um, not reading the Bible in the morning. If I had, if I had a cranky child, woke up late, mm-hmm. I was, I would like be scared for so many years. Like, Oh no, I didn't read the Bible first thing in the morning for five minutes. Didn't pray for five minutes. Like, like God is waiting to smite me as his child yeah. if I if I don't do these things. And um, even sin, like if I sinned and said a harsh word to Jeremy, like I would just fear in a, in a, in a wrongful fear, not an awe and reverence of God as um, it, looking at him and adoring him in that way. But it was like mm-hmm. only the terror of God that I would focus on. Yeah. Oh, man. So he is, Jeremy, he's not your husband yet, but he's questioning all of these teachings. I know Bill Gothard has like the basic principles, the advanced, like so much that you can get into with all of his resources and materials and curriculum. And so Jeremy's questioning this, but I'm curious, like were your parents, obviously you married him. So your parents at the time didn't say no, stop getting to know this guy. He doesn't follow our teachings, like the foundation of what our family believes. How was it okay for you to court him with him differing so much on these things? Yeah. At that time, I think I was just like taking in what we were talking about because we were, we were almost engaged at that point. And so I was just taking in these teachings internally, thinking through it and the second I saw it wasn't in the Word of God, that's where I was like, this doesn't matter because it's not only does it not matter, it's wrong. And so in my mind, there was a shift. And so it wasn't until years later of talking through the specifics of that, um, once we were already married, talking through the specifics of the teaching mm-hmm. um, slowly with my family that I think we started to like you know, discuss that stuff because I, in my own heart, had been freed from that. I saw, mm. okay, this is wrong. And and I didn't even see how harmful it was at first. It was just more like, okay, these external things or these teachings that he said were based in the Bible aren't. So I can set that aside mm-hmm. and I can see even maybe even some of the differences that Jeremy had initially had with me. It's it's not as big of a deal because I used to think that um, my future spouse was going to have to have the exact same teachings that mm-hmm. Bill Gothard did for our family yeah. to be a success and for our kids to be okay and not fall from not fall away from Jesus. But once I saw that wasn't the issue, then there was a peace 
and a safety. And I knew, I remember even telling my mom, I feel so safe with him mm-hmm. because he's committed to the Bible. He loves Jesus. He has this commitment to God that I, I've prayed for and I desire mm-hmm. to have in a husband. So that's where I felt safe. Wow. And your parents were okay with the fact that he wasn't, he didn't grow up in the same community or even have a lot of the same beliefs. Yeah. They knew that they knew that he came from a different uh, setting, but that he loved Jesus at the end Mm. of the day. And so they gave their full blessing for us to get married. Oh, that's awesome. And how long have you guys been married now? We've been married for six years. Oh, and you have two little girls, right? Little girls, four and two, Felicity and Evangeline. Oh, how sweet. And you guys are out in California. We are, yes. We we love it out here. We have a great church that we're a part of. Um, it's been such a joy to um, be able to just grow and learn every day um, in this amazing church community that we have out here. Mm. Oh, that's so awesome. And you guys can hear more about her whole story and the end of it and where she is now um, in her book. But just wrapping it up with a few more questions. I know a lot of people who are familiar with your last name or your uh, your former last name, Duggar, um, have heard your brother's name a lot because of his name just being in the news and just the sadness surrounded with that. And so I was, when I read your book in chapter 11, you mentioned him um, and just your compassion and your heart for him and your prayer for him. Um, for who, people who aren't familiar, I know it's your, he's the oldest Duggar, right? Josh was convicted of downloading and possessing child pornography in 2021. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so in chapter 11, you mention him and you kind of make a comparison between your brother, Josh and Bill Gothard. Why did you feel like it was important to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been such a difficult thing to, um, like walk through that mm-hmm. season. Another thing, like I said, just being in the public eye and having to walk through time and time again, so much pain um, publicly. And at the same time, I I think I wanted to share a bit about this in the book because this is the whole, I think it goes back to the perspective on what is it to be pleasing to God. It's not putting up an outward front, acting like you're okay when inside your heart is not changed by the gospel. And like I said, that can't be done just by by yourself, like trying to muster up the courage or or um, put on these outward things. That's going to, your true heart is going to come out. And so I think, sadly, that's what happened with my brother and even with Bill Gothard. You can put on those put up the front for so long, but then God will expose what is truly in your heart. And my prayer is for Bill Gothard and for my brother, Josh, that they would both come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and that they would be broken, um, over their sin. And that's something that, um, we can only pray and ask the Lord to do. Yeah. For people who are still following Bill Gothard, still following the teachings and and thinking they're finding more freedom in the rules really than the relationship with Christ, um, what do you want them to know? Yeah, I would hope that anyone is, that's in that setting would see um, who Jesus truly is. And as like whether you're outside of um, knowing Jesus, that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus, call upon the name of the Lord, be saved. Repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Um, And for anyone who is inside the teachings and is confused, just examine everything according to the word of God. Don't put your trust in a man thinking that he has some special teaching outside of scripture. Anytime that happens, run as far and as fast as you can from that teaching or from that person, because if they claim to have some element on truth that no one else has discovered, it's just not the case. And so run to Jesus, run to the word of God. It has all the answers for life's problems. Amen. Last question. How are you and Jeremy raising your girls differently than the way that you were raised? Yeah, it's interesting. I think every day we realize how little we know about parenting. We have a four and a two year old, but I'm still (laughs) very young. We haven't had to like talk through major stuff or anything. It's more just like very basic stuff that we're, we are trying to instill in them. But I think even at these younger years, they see who you truly are. Um, and I want to be the same that I am at home as I am at church. And it's not always easy because kids are just kids and they're so young, but um, it's, we want them to know the beauty of Jesus and to instill in them um, 
to have a relationship with Jesus and not based on our performance, but based on the grace of God. That is awesome. You guys are doing such a great job. Where can people find your book? I'm sure it's available everywhere. Yes, it's available wherever books are sold. And I think that if you go to our website, gingerandjeremy.com, we have all the links to wherever books are sold there. Okay, and where can people follow you guys on social media? Social media, I'm on Instagram at gingervolo. And then my husband is at jeremy underscore volo. Ginger, thank you so much for coming on the Girl Defined show, for chatting with me. This was such an encouraging, eye-opening, and just, quite frankly, refreshing conversation. Thank you for your book, for what you're doing to speak the true gospel, um, and to encourage an entire generation of people that I know many of them grew up in that community and really need to be freed by the truth of the gospel. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know about you, but I found that conversation so encouraging, so eye-opening, and just so gospel-centered. Like, uh, I'm just so proud of Ginger and what she's doing and the way that she is um, unafraid, like being a bold witness for the true gospel of Jesus Christ, stepping outside of everything that she was raised in, every um, everyone that she knew in so many ways, her tight-knit community to say, I have seen that this is not rooted in the true gospel and Jesus is so much better. He is worth it. Um, even if it means I'm going to lose things, I'm going to lose relationships, I'm going to be rejected by the people that, um, you know, the people who used to be all the people I had. I mean, she's so willing to proclaim Christ and to do it in such a gracious and winsome way. So I am so thankful for that conversation. I found her book personally really encouraging, just having come from somewhat of a similar world, not exactly the same. Um, we weren't, we definitely weren't into um, all like Bill Gothard's teachings in the same way, but definitely grew up conservative and found myself in many ways drawing very black and white lines and finding my security, like I said at the beginning, in religion and not really rooted in my relationship with Christ. Um, So if you find that you have that same tendency and you want Christ to be the center of your heart and the true gospel to be what you are changed by and motivated by and transformed through... Um, then grab a copy of her book. And like I also said, if your life has taken twists and turns like Ginger's has, and right now you're in some of those twists and turns and you're like, this is hard. How do I trust God? How do I find hope and contentment and peace in this valley? Then grab a copy of our latest book here at Girl Defined called Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. I think you'll also find so much encouragement for your personal journey, wherever God has you, whatever season you're in, as you're walking through the hard, I think you'll find how to do that with hope and trusting God for the story he has for you and not maybe the one you've always imagined for your own life. And you can find Not Part of the Plan wherever books are sold or on our website at girldefined.com. All right, guys. If you appreciate this episode and conversations like this, you know I say this every time. It takes like three seconds to leave us a five-star rating over on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're able to leave a rating and a review and to say what you liked about the show, you know, what other guests you'd like us to have on. I know it's it feels like a big ask, but it just takes a few seconds and your ratings really encourage us so much when we get those positive reviews. We reminds us that you're out there, that you're listening, that we're the sisterhood. Um, I read them regularly. And as you also know, there are a lot of people who really don't like our show and don't like the message of Jesus and what we proclaim here at Girl Define. And so they intentionally come over and try to sabotage our reviews by leaving us tons of one-star reviews, um, which is a bummer, but I know that it's just kind of the way it is. So if you're someone who appreciates this and you're like, I want this to continue on, I want more of this content, would you just take a couple seconds to jump over to Spotify or Apple and leave a five-star review? Um, leave a quick comment. I would love to read it. And that will also help other women to find the podcast as you rate it. It pushes it out in the algorithm and helps it to get more exposure so other women can join the sisterhood and be a part of what we're doing here at Girl Define. Okay, guys, come hang out with me over on Instagram at Girl Define. I would love to hear your thoughts and comments on this episode with Ginger. I know it was so fascinating. Let's continue the conversation over there on Instagram at Girl Define. I'll see you there.